Father, we thank you for Mike. Thank you that, um, thank you for his diligence. Thank you for the grace over him and the gifting that he has to bring the word of God. Um, we thank you that as he stands today and, and delivers what you've put on his heart, Father, that um, you'd carry him, Holy Spirit, that you'd help him, even as he's having to rejig things now in his mind because all the children that he was going to speak to have left the room. Father, we thank you that you are with him. Holy Spirit, um, remove everything that isn't for us and mm. just help him to bring everything that you want him to bring. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Are we plugged up, Chris? So let's try turning that on. How's that? Oh, there we go. I don't like being amplified, I'll be honest. But hey. Cheers, thanks. It's been one of those preparations. It was yesterday evening when I clocked the fact. I knew there was communion today. I mean, it's the first Sunday of the month. Of course there's communion today. But had I thought about how communion would link in with the message? Not at all. Sudden panic. I've got no bridge point either before or after. When are we going to do communion? It just didn't work in my head. I had clocked the fact that we're going to be changing the way we do do kids' work from here on, which I still talk about a bit. And therefore had sort of in my head thought, the kids are going to be in with us. Excellent. We can start the new process. They're not in with us. It's okay. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that your word is eternal. Thank you that your word is with us and that you will speak into our hearts and our minds today. Amen. So let me explain what we're going to be doing going forward. That is one of the challenges. Shall I go that side? You know, one of the things when you're going to be speaking with the kids in is you have to sort of avoid words that are not necessarily in their vocabulary. But I am a peripatetic speaker. I can say that, that can't. I do, I move around a lot. One of the challenges I find with being church is that we are called to be the body together. Now, as you might tell from my accent, I am Southern African and therefore have a certain problem with separate development. Whether it's racial apartheid, gender apartheid, or generational apartheid, I have a problem. I believe we should be going together as a body. Now, that's not always possible because we do do things differently. But what we're thinking going forward is as much as possible and as much as sensible, we're going to work together, which means grown-ups, we all have to up our game. Because if you are having the not yet grown up sitting with you, you've got to be ready for questions because they're going to be hearing what's coming through in the message and they're going to say, but what's that about? Which is a good basic biblical principle. We're working in families, we're growing together. For those of us who are in this sort of area, in the preaching area, it's challenging because propitiation is out. We've got to actually explain the words which we would normally just use instinctively. Sorry, use without thinking. And build on that. Now, what we're going to be doing to help with that is for the 6 to 12s, we've got a copy of Mark's Gospel in the, new international, in the International Children's Bible version. So they can follow along with it. 
which will hopefully help. ICB reckons that it's designed for 6 to 12s. Great. If you're older than 12, it's still helpful because it's, from what I've seen so far, it's a pretty good translation. But just fascinating little things where they translated things in more accessible terms. It helps us as well. We don't just get the one that comes up today is repentance. I mean, we, th we just think because we're church people, we know what repentance means. ICB, change your heart and your life. I read that and I stopped and thought, oh yeah, that's obvious, but I just don't think about it. I just think repent and believe the gospel. And to be just challenged to change your heart and your life and believe the good news about Jesus. Suddenly, so that's going to be great, letting the, the kids work with that. And I'm going to do a bit of it today. I'm going to be reading from ICB. The screen's going to be reading from NIV. So we can just work with the two together. At one stage, I just, my brain got blown on that, so we've just got NIV across the board, but that, that's okay. But again, to love our children, to consciously say you're a part of us, to consciously say we're going to grow together. Now, pause at this stage. This is not in any way saying we are not immensely grateful for all the work that goes into kids. We're very aware of that. Don't stop. We're actually broadening the team not cancelling it. We are now the kids' workers, all of us. We will love our children. We will not farm them out to the willing few. We will welcome them in. We will bring them up. We will equip them in the ways of the Lord. We will watch them and we will get excited as they grow in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. We will run as fast as we can to stay ahead of them and step out the way as they go screaming past us to lead the church into the future. Because that is God's design. God wants to win the world. Jesus came because he loved the world so much. And that love does not stop when we do. That love will go on until he comes. Please, God, come, let Jesus come soon. But if it's out of my lifetime, I'm excited. That amount of energy into the great gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look out, world. There's an exciting future ahead of us. So with that in mind, let's start looking at Mark. This is our third message from Mark. In the first week, we looked at the coming of John the Baptist. Now John came and he brought his message, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as we read in, in, in Mark 1, uh, but we, the, the, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the River Jordan. So we've got John comes preaches the good news. People respond, they hear, and they come, and they're baptized, signifying the change of life. I mean, again, as Audrey said, last week was amazing. We want to see people change. We want to see their lives changed. Two weeks ago, when Joe was speaking, speaking about the whole next stage, when Jesus himself, 
the holy, sinless Son of God, who had become man, still came to follow through with baptism. And that whole glory of his baptism and the fact that the Father spoke and said, this is my Son, who I'm absolutely crackers about. And just the fullness of the Spirit coming on him. And now we move on from there, starting from verse 14. And as I say, I'm going to be reading from the ICB, the International Children's Bible. Hopefully it gives you a flavor. My thought had been if they were in reading along, that would help them follow on. It's okay. So John, not John, Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. After, Jesus was, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and preached the good news from God. Jesus said, the right time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Change your hearts and lives and believe the good news. John had said in John 1 verse 4, in Mark 1 verse 4, that he preached a baptism of changed hearts and lives for the forgiveness of sins. And the people of Judea came and they were baptized and they told of the sins that they had done. But now, after John was put in prison, what's happened here? Something's changed. John has been arrested. Basically, John annoyed the king. Again, we'll cover this more when we get further down, chapter 5, 6, that sort of area there. But John suddenly out the picture. And again, this speaks to where we need to be as the people of God. We don't know when we individually will be out the picture. We do not know when that day is coming. But just that awareness that the kingdom goes on here. John was put in prison. And Jesus was already in place. And Jesus goes out. Now, I don't know about you, when something goes wrong in your life, you know that somebody has, been, has lost their job for saying the wrong thing in a Christian context, for instance. There's often backstory on that, but the media will get hold of this and you'll think, oh no, I'd better be quiet. John is arrested for telling the truth, for standing up for righteousness. And Jesus steps it up. John says, repent. Jesus says, Change your hearts and your lives and believe the good news. He steps it up. Change your hearts and your lives, repent and believe. Jesus doesn't say, this is dodgy, we need to regroup. He says, mm -mm. opposition does not mean stop. Sometimes opposition means, come on, we could do this. Okay, I wasn't planning to, but... There've got to be a few rugby pundits around. When you're in the ruck and they're stopping you, you don't go, oh, whatever. You push harder. If they're digging in on their try line, you push them over that try line. Even if they're wearing green jerseys, you push even harder. That's what you do. You change your heart, you tell them, let's go. Let's amplify the message. Let's go further into it. Repent. Change your hearts and your lives and believe the good news. The change of life is good, says Jesus. 
Believe the good news. Believe in me. Believe in who I am. Believe in what I came to do. Believe in him who sent me. Believe not just because of my works, but because of the truth. Believe the good news. Believe that there is a hope. Believe there is a future. Believe. Change your hearts and your lives, but not just outwardly. Believe. Make it become a part of you. Make it become a part of who you're going to be. Live out of the fullness of that belief within you. Jesus amplifies it. He steps it up. You see, for the folks who came down to the Jordan to see John, they were coming saying, yeah, we've done wrong. We need to be baptized. And we don't know what happened to them after that. Allowing for Mark's incredible use of hyperbole, all of Judea came down to see him. And three years later, all of Jerusalem called for him to be crucified. People were baptized and not fully believing. Jesus says, let's go the whole thing. Yes, we need to call for people to come and join us. Yes, we need to see the changes in their lives. Yes, we need to lead them to baptism. baptism. But church, let's help them to believe. Let's help them to see the truth and work in the truth. Moving on to verse 16. As Jesus was walking by Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and Simon's brother Andrew. And they were fishermen and were throwing a net into the lake to catch fish. And Jesus said to them, come and follow me and I will make you fishermen for men. So Simon and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. And Jesus continued to walk by Galilee. And he saw two more brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they were in their boat preparing their nets to catch fish. Their father, Zebedee, and the men who worked with him were in the boat with the brothers. And when Jesus saw the brothers, he called, them, he called them to come to him. And they left their father and followed him. Jesus' model? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hey guys, don't go alone. Jesus himself, the Son of God, doesn't try to take on the whole mission on his own. He says, guys, come work with me. Now, introverts, we are not comfortable. We like to do things on our own. We really just don't get energized with, with, with huge team. So go with small team. Jesus didn't take a thousand with him. A thousand followed him, yes. Which is why sometimes he had to pull away on his own to rest. Twelve was what he could cope with. Twelve was his capacity. Mark doesn't tell us about how all 12, in fact, none of the Gospels really tell us how all 12 are called. Mark concentrates on five, four today and one in a couple of weeks' time. But it's the core, just that little group. God wants to use us in groups, not alone. Right from the very beginning, God's whole philosophy of how we do things includes that wonderful phrase, it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 4, you don't get much earlier in the story than that, with mankind saying, guys and girls, don't try on your own. It don't work so good. Work in team. Bring people with you. Now for Jesus, he's bringing disciples who he's going to bring up to hand over to. But for those three years, they're going to work together. Jesus won't feed the 5,000. Jesus will say, take this bread out to the 5,000. We're a team. We work together. 
That's the way we work. We are a church. We are a gathering. We are the body. We are together. We are one. And we need to work as such. And it goes through the whole Bible. Numbers 11. Moses appoints 70 elders. We work together. Moses, you're doing it on your own. You're going to kill yourself. Get some mates. You get 70 elders in. Elijah. Elisha, come work with me. Again, a succession plan, but also there's a lot of prophesying to do here. Come and work together. Jesus with his disciples we've spoken, spoken about. Jesus sends out the disciples into, into the Judean region in twos. This is not just a case of we'll make sure that he's doing the right thing. He's not just goofing off under the tree. And, you know, Judas, he's got a bit of an issue. Make sure he's not just spending the, his expense they're working in twos. They're working in team. Paul travels with Barnabas. Paul later travels with Sinus, Silas. Barnabas travels with Mark. Same Mark. The Mark who wrote John's Gospel probably. Traveling in twos. Ministering in twos. Working in twos. There is a danger working alone. As we work alone, we get deceived. We get distracted. We move off the path we're supposed to be on. But together, we encourage. Our multiplication goes forward together. Now, as you read Mark's Gospel, without delay, according to NIV, he called them and they left their father. Strewed last week, you spoke to people, they heard the Gospel, how many of them immediately made a decision? It doesn't always work that way. Thank you, Lord, that sometimes it does, that when we speak to people, the message is so clear. that They go, what must I do to be saved? But it doesn't always go like that. And Mark, for all his excitement, for all his rush, for all his immediately and straight away and straight after that, and then, then, sometimes he rushes. And we can get the feeling of we're a failure. I've been praying for him for months, years, and nothing's happened. Don't lose heart. And don't get stuck just reading a little verse out of the scripture from time to time. The whole Bible is given by inspiration of God, and it's good to read the whole thing. Because when you overlay the other gospel accounts with what Mark says here, you get a little bit of a different picture, and it's quite pretty. I like it. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read John chapter 1 and Mark chapter 1 together. I'm not going to tell you when I change. If you're crafty, you'll be watching the bottom of the screen and you'll see. But just listen to the story. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom I love with with you I am well pleased and the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said look the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and I myself did not know about him but the one who sent me to baptize told me the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. 
And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, for it was four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon's brother, who was one of the two who had heard what John had said and had followed, what, John, Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Now, after that, John was arrested and taken into prison. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the good news of the gospel. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, the same Simon, who was with his brother Andrew, who used to be with John, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Suddenly the two stories tie together as one story, don't they? It wasn't just a case of Jesus wandering along and here's two arbitrary guys he's never met fiddling with their nets. Now I don't know, I could be misreading that. There could be even more to the story than that. But just think about this. John says to his people who are working with him, guys, what I'm telling you is true. But see that guy, he's the one. I'm not even worthy, worthy to tie up his, his, his sneakers. He is the one. And Andrew says, I'm going to check that out. Goes and chats to Jesus, finds out about Jesus, spends the day with Jesus and then says, Pete, Simon, you're not called Peter yet, Simon, see this guy. This is the one that we've been waiting for. As a nation, we've been waiting for this guy for a thousand years. This is the one. And Peter? Well, we don't know, but what we know about Peter's character, we can assume that his answer included. And then, and then, Simon encounters Jesus for himself. And at once, they left their nets. You've been talking to your people for months, for years, for I don't know how long, and nothing, nothing, nothing. That's okay. It is not your job to bring them to God. It's your job just to keep on, keep on. And when his time is right, he will meet them. And then to your surprise, as much as to theirs, at once, they'll be coming into the kingdom. Keep on keeping on. It looks like immediately. And it is. But it's immediately in God's timing. What we have to do is just keep on telling them. Tell your friends. Tell your workmates. Tell your family members. Siblings. Parents. Children. 
Tell them. Tell your neighbors. Tell your neighborhood. Do not be afraid. Greatly encouraged earlier this year to be reminded of one of the bits of crazy law, one of the wonderful laws we have in this country. Our faith is a protected characteristic. You are legally entitled to speak about your faith in the workplace. Do not listen to the society which says, oh, we really can't talk about religion, it's just not... The law says you must. It's your duty. Think of any of the, any of the protected characteristics apart from faith, and you will hear people having a special society just for their particular thing in the workplace. I'm doing a big project at the moment, and there is a whole story about will these new laptops be appropriate for those who have particular physical disabilities? Happy days. It's a good thing to do. Yes, I understand. And I do not understand in my mind any reason why we have to worry about whether this particular laptop is appropriate to people of different faiths. So we're not dealing with that. But it's the same sort of weight. You have a right to speak in the workplace. Tell the people. Tell them who you are. Tell them who you, what you stand for. Tell your boss. Tell your colleagues. Tell your underlings. Tell your mummy and your daddy and Neville. Tell everybody. Keep on sowing the seed. No, they won't all appear to listen. But keep on going anyway. That's what we're told to do. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The same message. That's what we need to be doing. In Mark 4, when we get to that, we'll be reading about the parable of the sower. And basically, which parable of the sower says, guys, keep sending the word out. One in four will listen to you. Don't worry about the other three. Keep sending the word out. Keep sowing seed. Because of that one in four, 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. So there's the three out of the four who didn't, didn't listen. The harvest is good. As long as you keep sowing. Keep sowing. And after, Jesus was, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and preached the good news from God. Jesus said, The right time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Change your hearts and lives and believe the good news. The kingdom has come. No longer the kingdom is coming. Jesus said then the kingdom is near because he knew what he was coming to usher in. And that's where we are now in, in today's day and age. What we're seeing is the power of God working in our society and we need to be able to go with that. We need to be ready to go with that. But to be useful, we need to be on the same page as him. We need to repent. We need to repent and believe the good news for ourselves. See, 
Gathering together like this on a Sunday is good. Gathering together on Wednesday nights is good. Being right with God is vital. Just like all those who came to be baptized by John, and we don't really know how far they drifted away afterwards, so too for you and me. Change your hearts and your lives and believe the gospel. Yes, we all come to church regularly, but when last we challenge ourselves to say, I am my right. Lord, speak to me. Where do I need to change my heart and my life? I find a message like this challenging because I'm shy. I'm happy standing up like this because you don't answer back, usually. But talking one-on-one, -on -one, I'm getting better, but I'm, I'm thrilled for the guys who go out and do the walking around the shopping centers talking to people. I'm shy. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for putting my pride and my selfishness ahead of your gospel. Oh, but what if I talk to the, the homosexual couple two doors down from us? What if I talk to them and they've already got a bad feeling because of the way they feel the Christian church views them? Oh, Lord, forgive my fear. I repent. Change my heart and my life. I want to believe the gospel. I want to believe that it's good news for Nick and Pete. I want to believe it's good news for everybody. I want to believe it's good news for the people who I will walk past in the street because they're really not my kind of people. I want to speak to people who I'm scared to speak to because what will they think and is it right for me to talk? Because the gospel is the hope. The gospel, O oh Lord, is the hope for our nation. We sang it today. Our heads believe it. As we repent and believe the good news and our hearts believe it, then we too can be going out as his disciples in twos, in more than twos, in groups and making the difference that he called us to make. Lord Jesus, thank you for your kingdom. Thank you that your kingdom, although not yet complete, is present with us. Thank you, Lord, that you commissioned us as you commissioned your 12 to do amazing things. And Lord, we do pray that you will be with us. Speak to our hearts and our lives that we may hear your voice, that we may know what you are saying to us, that we may make a difference in our society. Lord, there's much we do wrong. And there's much good that we do not do right. Help us to love those of us who are part of the community, grown-ups and ungrown-ups. Help us to love our society in which we live. Help us to love our nation. Lord, help us to love you. Help us to see you as you are in all of your, in all of your majesty, power and glory. And again, to stop and recognize the good news that you came 
that you were crucified and that you rose again because you loved us so much. Could be that some of you have never actually encountered Jesus Christ in all of his glory. Oh, it's so worth it. If you want to talk about it, there's a number of us who would happily talk to you afterwards. But if you have, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself one of his disciples, one of his apprentices, the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is now. Amen.